The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and a desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to your coaching, so there's always somebody available to answer your questions and to help you adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, the ITL Coaching and Performance website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the United States or outside the United States, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayerX, www.slayerx.com. SlayerX is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayerX was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayerX offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legal enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gel, try SlayerX's new Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them that the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2019 at checkout on the website and you'll get 10% off anything that you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, PLEASANT2019. Test, don't guess with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for helping us to bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Patrick Ollinger, and I'm also an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Michelle Frank, and I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, you are, Michelle Frank, the cool older girl, and Patrick, the guy with all the other sports references, is here back with us. You can probably tell we are connected remotely to one another thanks to Zoom. We are staying home. We are staying safe. We are keeping a good, good social distance, and I hope all of you are as well. Um, Patrick, we haven't talked to you in a little while. Michelle and I were, were, were together on the podcast last week, but uh, how you been getting along, man? Things are good. I had my big marathon a few weeks ago, um, and kind of a crazy train of events. Uh, very happy. I ended up running a marathon March 1st because, lo and behold, all the marathons canceled, or all the marathons scheduled for after March first end up being canceled or postponed. Right. Um, so kind of kind of wild how that worked out. Now I'm looking forward to getting back and talking with you guys again. Right on, right on. Um, Michelle, you've run Michelle, you've run the the Atlanta the Atlanta full marathon, right? I have run the Atlanta full marathon that Patrick ran. Yes. Yeah. So so Patrick, how would you say the the course in Atlanta because it was different from the trials course. But the, the course in Atlanta for the Atlanta Marathon, how does it stack up to Boston, Chicago, and the, the CIM, the other marathons that you've run? Definitely the hardest course I've ever run. <laughs> like, it was shockingly harder than, than even Boston. I'm not mm. going to lie. It, it was one where um, I was told it was hilly. I saw the course profile. I knew it was hilly. I trained for hills. 
but even still you get to mile 16, 17, 18, and you're still going uphill and you're, it's starting to really hit you just how, um, how much wear and tear there is when you're just going up and down the entire race versus most marathons where you have a few big hills you have to navigate and get past. Mm-hmm. So you ignored Michelle's pro tip to, to spectate or volunteer at the race the day before and then run the half marathon the next day. You just went full in and, and ran the full marathon the next day. Do you regret that you ignored Michelle's advice on that or, or do you think Michelle was wrong? I do not regret that decision at all. Um, definitely need to get another marathon in since it had been almost a year. So, um, but you know where Michelle was definitely right is that was not a PR course. Mm-hmm. Unless it's your first marathon, um, I, I would not run for time there. Right on, right on. And it's it's also worth saying too, you you ran a time on that course that would have any other year probably put you on the podium, but mm-hmm. because everybody brought their fans. Uh, what place did you finish? I think 13th. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all these other people came in from out of town and you were beaten by the people from like New York and Pennsylvania and California and Ohio <laughs> people that, and that Boone, North Carolina. So, yeah. So yeah. Imagine that Zap fitness brought a few people. So yeah, very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Michelle, uh, Michelle, as I said, texted me a couple of days after I ran Los Angeles on March 8th, the week after you ran, um, Atlanta on March 1st and said, I think that you're going to look back on the spring and you're going to feel really, really fortunate that you were able to squeeze in a marathon. And I do. You were totally right about that, Michelle, as you were normally right about most things. And uh, I think, Patrick, you feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. Very good. Very good. Very good. Michelle, what you been up to for the past week? Um, I think I'm in the la-la land that most people that were four to six weeks out from a marathon are in, where okay. kind of coming into – really good fitness don't want to shut it all down but can't keep going at the intensity that you were going if you're going to be ready to ramp up again for a marathon in september so i ran a lot of miles last week Uh, i took one day off and still ran a lot of miles so maybe i should tweak that a little bit follow what my schedule says and just kind of bring it down a bit but um it's a weird position to be in because i'd love to do something and there's just nothing to do so it's kind of how do I, you know, keep the fitness, but not get too tired or burned out and have the mental excitement to be ready to go once it's time to really get going again, if September happens. So, um, but I think I'm in good company with that. It's really hard to go from, you know, uh, almost peaking for a marathon cycle and then kind of shutting it down, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, I, I, I feel very fortunate that I was able to find an alternative to pivot to after after Tokyo got canceled. Um, and so, so yeah, but I, I, for about three hours, had that feeling of, I'm not going to get to run a marathon. I've worked really hard and I'm, I'm totally fit and things that are out of my control have, have made it where I can't run one. Uh, and so I'm familiar with that feeling, although I certainly wouldn't say I know how you feel. Not only because that's an obnoxious thing to say, but, but because I was <laughs> able to pivot. Um, so... Um, but speaking of marathons that aren't happening, uh, the, the two big things we want to talk about tonight, and the first one is, of course, the announcement that came out officially today on Tuesday, the 24th of March, um, that the Olympics, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics are now officially postponed. Um, so it, there have been a lot of athletes kind of coming out against it over the course of the last little while. Some small sporting federations had come out against it. Um, because of quarantining measures around the world, uh, athletes were having a hard time training. Um, and, and um, Jonathan Riley, who we've talked about on this podcast before, who finished second in the Olympic marathon trials, uh, made a point on his Instagram last week where he said it would fee- be really incongruous for, for Japan to have this really lavish staging of the games, given the fact that we're kind of going into a global recession or depression and, and a lot of people are going to be struggling financially, that that would be sort of tone deaf, um, which I also thought was an interesting point as well. Um, last week, USA Swimming and USA Track and Field both came out against the games and, and sent letters to the, uh, the Olympic Committee, uh, the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, uh, urging postponement. Over the weekend, Australia and Canada, their full Olympic team said, we're not sending teams. Um, Australia said, you can have the games you want to, but if you do, you're going to do it without Australia. And Canada said the same thing. Um, I got a text from Michelle on Sunday night that said that World Athletics, which is a governing body for track and field in, uh, throughout, the United, throughout the world, um, had sent a letter urging postponement. And I think I wrote you back, uh, Michelle, and said, it's a done deal. Um, 
like that, that was when I was like, all right, it's definitely being postponed now. Um, because when the governing body of, of really the marquee sport being track and field in the summer Olympic games says, Hey, you need to postpone it. That, 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 that's when I was pretty sure it was going to happen. Um, even though on Sunday and even on to Monday, a lot of IOC members were saying, no, 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 we're still going to have, we're still going to have it. Um, yesterday, Monday, um, Dick Pound, who is a former head of WADA and is now a member of the IOC said, uh, that, that it was probably going to be postponed. And then they made the official announcement today. Uh, the prime minister, Tokyo Shinzo Abe, uh, actually made the announcement and it was followed up with uh, a statement by Thomas Bach, who is the head of the IOC. Um, he said, we had quote, we had growing confidence in the developments in Japan in four and a half months, these safe conditions could be offered. Then we had this big wave coming from the rest of the world. It became clear that the pandemic was clearly rocking the nerves of athletes, and it's also not a situation we, we had ever been in. Um, all right, Michelle, you're first. What do you think? So first, I just want to make a small correction that it's Jake Riley, not Jonathan Riley. Who Why do I say, okay, Jonathan Riley is another runner. Okay, but people are going to totally tell right about that. that. <laughs> so let's just tell them right now that we got it. It was big. We're good. So, so you're, um, you're, you're, you're totally right. Jonathan Riley is another runner that went to Stanford in the early 2000s and was an NCAA champion. Um, just FYI. Okay. Right, anyway, but Jake Riley, keep going. Okay. Um, I had a hard time, I would say, mostly following whether it was the IOC or the Japan Olympic Committee that was hesitating on uh, just the postponing of the Olympic Games. I think it was being called for everywhere athletes were out there and they were training, you know, specifically track and field, but they couldn't have their coaches and they couldn't have their training partners and they couldn't have their pacers. And it was just becoming more and more unsafe. Mm -hmm. um, and then they were going to, some of them needed to self quarantine and some of them needed to isolate. And there were just too many, um, you know, issues working against them so that they could train safely. And it was just a matter of how long are they going to keep pushing the envelope before somebody comes out and just kind of shuts it all down. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like anybody was ever afraid that it was going to be canceled. I think it seemed pretty clear that if it was going to be anything, it would be postponed. Um, and so they have said now that they're going to postpone it for a year. And I think that's the right decision. I don't see anybody, you know, in disagreement with that. I've seen a few posts, Allison Felix, where she is in her career as a mother. Uh, for her, it's a life altering postponement. She's probably going to have to decide uh, Shannon Roberry said the same thing. She ran five by mile two days ago. And now, you know, she said as a mother and 13 years into her career, she's not sure that a year from now the Olympics are going to work for her. Um, but in terms of global health and the pandemic that's everywhere, I don't know that there was any other answer but to postpone the mm -hmm. summer. Yeah, I agree. Patrick, what do you think? Oh, totally. And, you know, we were talking about so far – you know, where the athletes are now and how it puts them in danger right now and kind of they're having to train under a lot of uncertainty, you know, as if the game were to go forward. Um, but another thing to think about is flying all the people into Tokyo. Mm -hmm. um, even if Tokyo is, is safe right now, think about all the people you'd be flying into and how much of a health risk that creates for Tokyo mm -hmm. during the games themselves. I mean, it could almost be a Petri dish for an outbreak during the games themselves if they're not careful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with this and, then, being, and, then, and then you send all those people back out again. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could almost then reintroduce it to places that either A, had low, um, a low case count, or B, had already started to improve or kind of be on the downward slope, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just really was a, a very obvious um, this decision, albeit a, has to be a brutally tough one. I mean, there's uh, billions of dollars at stake in terms of broadcast deals not to mention all the money that Tokyo has already invested in their infrastructure. Um, so I imagine this was not a decision that was made or, you know, that it was built for the faint of heart, yeah. um, but, it, but it's certainly something to think about. And here's another angle that, that, that struck me when I was, when I saw this announcement, this is the second summer games that were affected by a public health um, concern. In mm -hmm. 2016, we had the Zika outbreak in, in Brazil mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where a lot of people were saying, you know, I'm not really sure I'm comfortable going down there right That's now. That's true. Mm -hmm. And now in 2020, we have um, this issue. So let's hope this isn't this, a sign of what a kind of a yeah. global village looks like, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're someone where these are your two Summer Olympic Games, talk about a, a, a bad draw. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And yep. Zika, Zika happily turned out not to be an issue in Brazil. Like I know mm -hmm. some people who went down there, both as athletes and as, and as, as fans, and they said, that one was truly overblown. All indications are here that, that you know. 
COVID-19 is not overblown. Yeah. But, but that, that what might appear to be a re overreaction is exactly what needs to be happening. But, um, and if in fact it appears as an overreaction later, that means that it worked. <laughs> um, so yeah. let's hope, let's hope that it appears to be an overreaction later, but Michelle, you were about to say something. What were you about to say? I think it's interesting the fear that was around Zika, especially for the female athletes going into the 2016 games. Mm -hmm. um, and now we can just look at the actual fear that's happening with this mm -hmm. pandemic and the deaths and the amount of people that are falling sick. And I think a lot of the athletes were not really particularly worried as much about their mortality as if they got sick because they were putting themselves through the training you know, there's no way that they could be out for one to three weeks. And then the way that this virus mm -hmm. just kind of tears you down, that they could yeah. rebuild and be ready for either their trials or even, you know, possibly ready to peak again in the end of the summer. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's a good 16, 20. I mean, I don't know, maybe every four years. <laughs> let's, let's hope that, yeah, let's hope this is not the new normal. The, um, yeah, but you, you, the, you make a good point. Both of y'all do. I, I, the, the, for one thing, we should also say too, when we talk about training, I mean, we're talking about training like runners um, and, and obviously they have less than ideal training position, but, but imagine like, like wrestlers, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, and folks like that, that, that like a, a significant part of training for wrestling, I imagine I've never been a wrestler is actually wrestling with other people. Um, and, and, in you know, other spaces. yeah, I mean, literally getting in each other, like coughing and sweating all over one another. I mean, that's sort of, sort of the point. And, and so What's well, not the point, but you know what I mean? It's, it's just a fundamental part of, of what happens in that sport. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, they, they clearly could not effectively train, but I think you make an interesting point, Michelle, that, that if, if you were to say to most Olympic athletes or, or most Olympic caliber athletes, Hey, you have one shot of going to the Olympics um, and you might get sick in training for it. You want to risk it? Most of them would probably say, yeah. Um, I agree. But, but, but at the same time, um, I think that, that uh, a lot of them, yeah, the, the idea of, of not being able to train ideally and then maybe getting sick and that knocking them out, knocking out their chances. I, I think, I think a postponement was definitely something that would, would be much more desirable to them. Um, there's some people that postponement will obviously help as well. I wonder what it's going to mean. You mentioned like Shannon Roberry and Allison Felix. Um, I wonder like Abdi Abdi Rahim, you know, I think he could make the Olympic marathon team at 50. You he's, think? He's who I'm worried about. Um, he's, he's, since he's, he evidently is ageless, then he's the one person who like a one-year postponement is not going to bother at all. I um, do think it's interesting that Japan said that if the Olympics are only postponed a year, then I'm pretty sure this is what, what it said, that there won't be a rerun of any of the trials mm -hmm. that there already had been. But if the postponement was going to be, if we weren't ready for it in 2021, then there would be some type of test of fitness, mm -hmm. which means that, you know, the teams that we've already seen qualify, specifically the marathon team, mm -hmm. we could be looking at a possible, you know, different three athletes that they would be sending and then potentially other countries, Olympic committees could follow that. So I guess it'll be interesting to see um, not only the way people plan their lives, you know, family planning for women, but, you know, where's everybody at if this runs not 2021, but even summer 2022. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's just a lot of unknown right now that the only thing that all these athletes know who were going for the Olympics this summer is that it's not happening and everyone's got to kind of just regroup and figure out what's next. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if I, I, and I think I said this last week, um, and this is kind of what we're seeing a lot today. We did have somebody ask us on the Facebook today when I posted an article about the fact that that the Olympics are indeed going to be postponed uh, about what does this mean for the Olympic marathon team? I think everybody inside the sport really wants for the, the team that qualified to qualify. Des Linden had a couple of really strong statements about that on Twitter today, as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, she did. <laughs> um, and so, so, and Des Linden, who would benefit, I mean, she's the alternate. She would benefit from maybe having, you know, retrial. And there's, and there, there's a few people that are kind of like doing, you know, thought exercises around, you know, what if you do like a, a retrial with only the people who finish in the top 20 at the trials and, and, you know, stuff like that. And I, I think that's sort of silly. Um, but, but yeah, I think most people inside the sport sort of presume that, that if it's 2021, the marathon team is going to be the same. I certainly hope so. 2022. Yeah. I mean, just, it's hard. To, I, I, I would still want it to be the same. Um, just cause I can't imagine, um, it not being the same. I can't imagine taking away like Jacob Riley's Olympics, um, Alephine Tulliamuk's Olympics. I can't imagine taking that, taking away Molly Seidel's Olympics. 
Um, so but, Lee Trick, who coaches Jake Riley, actually came out in favor of if the United States Olympic Committee wanted to do a test of fitness at whatever point, they are perfectly amenable to that. They would follow, you know, whatever the standard that they wanted to see Jake meet. You know, Lee was just like, if this is what it is, that's what it is. We'll be ready for it. No big deal. Everybody's in uncharted territory. Time to go with the flow. So it's an interesting um, you know, whereas he has the athlete on the team and does the alternate and mm-hmm. most people are calling for no test of fitness. This is the team. Let them have their moment. You know, you have Lee, who's the coach of one of the athletes that qualified saying, all right, well, if we have to have a test of fitness, no big deal. We'll be ready. So, um, yeah, you know. the, the test of fitness is interesting to me. Um, uh, you don't want, by the way, who's... it sounds very hunger gamesy. Like yes. the test, the test of fitness. Well, I feel yeah. like we're living in. The- <laughs> right now, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. But yeah, but just the idea of like, like we are going to subject our Olympic athletes to a test of fitness. <laughs> I mean, something about that just sounds so, so draconian. But anyway, Patrick, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, what's interesting about it is it almost can um, save a country. Like, let's say a, an athlete gets hurt between now and then, mm-hmm. and then they're trying to come. But like, let's say they yeah. just get hurt in December. And then the, the, it's rescheduled for May. I'm, I'm just making dates up, so I'm not pulling this out of any, you know, knowledge. And they're just trying to build up fitness quickly by the time the mm-hmm. Olympics come around. Mm-hmm. So the test of fitness could almost put a safeguard in place to say, okay, you need to run a marathon in at least like the, the trials qualifying time, some, something mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then where that gets really tricky is then what, what standard do you set? Do you want to make them, you know, jump over a high bar just to make sure they're in tip-top shape? Or do you just say you've earned your right, and at this point, it, it's you know the burden of proof is on on the standard more so than the individual athlete to prove that mm-hmm. that, that they're got it. So then you can say, all right, for men, you have to run a two twenty five marathon or something mm-hmm. of that nature, something that they should be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. even when they don't have their best day. So I feel like you know, and and this is this is kind of what Michelle referred to, and and you know. The, the reason why they put the trials so close to the games is so that you can have a good indication of who's healthy and who's fit, you know, fairly mm-hmm. close to the games. Right. And so, so if you go for a year, yeah. Okay. If you go for two years, 70% of runners get injured over the course of a year and, right. and, and have some sort of injury that makes them miss time. There's a lot of things that can happen over the course of, of two and a half years between qualifying for a team and actually, and actually running in the Olympic games. Um, and so let's just say, for the sake of argument, um, let's just, I, I don't even want to cast, put, like, put a name on it because I don't want to cast it out, but let's just say one of the qualifiers, one of the six marathon qualifiers has a significant injury or even just gets in a car wreck or something like that um, yeah. a year and a half from now. So like you say, like December of 2021, is that person still going to be like, are, are we still going to have that person on the team going into 2022? Um, there's just, with, with, with that much more time, there's that much more possibility for something to happen um and so they could so, come yeah. down with coronavirus themselves <laughs> yeah, yeah unfortunately you're right yeah so um but alas if it was uh, you know put off for two years they'd probably have time to recover by then so the other thing too um is i wonder what um um i so, so two things speaking of qualifying times and you mentioned the qualifying times here patrick um i wonder if the u.s olympic qualifiers are going to have to rerun some sort of olympic qualifying time so, so you remember that, that last year, the IOC or World Athletics, I guess it was, changed the Olympic qualifying time, not the trials qualifying, but the Olympic qualifying time. And they said that anybody who's going to run in the Olympics basically had to run 228.30 for, for, for the women and 211.30 for the men. Uh, and they said you had to do that from January 1st of 2019 forward. Or you had to be at a gold label race or a couple of other things, right? So they, they, mm-hmm. they said, these are, these are what our standards are if you want to be able to... to take part in the actual Olympic games, you have to have run these time standards essentially. Right. So if we end up having the Olympic games in 2021 or in 2022, are the people that qualified at our Olympic trials going to have to requalify for the Olympic games, not for the United States Olympic team, but for the Olympic games is the IOC going to say, Hey, that qualifier you ran back in 2019 doesn't count anymore because the race is in 2022. Okay, two points to this. First of all, our marathon trials got the gold label race. Mm-hmm. It did. So we didn't actually have to have the times. Mm-hmm. Also, the women is 229.30. I think you said 228. I did. I did. Thanks. 
So then the second thing is, is that Michelle relishes the opportunity to correct me, but keep going. Keep going. So fun. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'll, so I'll screen capture the face you just made. And that's the one I'll put on Instagram. We had multiple people run under um, the Olympic standard in mm-hmm. the marathon, even mm-hmm. on this Atlanta course. Mm-hmm. So I think that as scary as it sounded when it first came out, um, when the IAAF changed the standard for the marathon. I think we've seen that we have enough depth that no matter where we run it, if they make them run it again, I mean, these guys can go out there and there's more than three people, male and female, that can run under the standard. In the United States. On the Atlanta course, they can run it probably anywhere. In the United States. But, but I mean, but think about some other country. So, so some other country, a smaller country that doesn't have many people that have, that have, whose trials yeah, are not gold level races and, and don't have as many people who have done that. So I so. think the world ranking is what's going to be the big, this gives people that are on that cusp of say like you're 82nd or 84th or 92nd in the world. And you need to be top 80 because you're coming from a small country. And I can think of Israel and BD Deutsch, you know, mm-hmm. is one of those that's kind of mm-hmm. on the fence. If a few, 10 people get injured, 10 people retire, races are different. Um, you're going to be in that top, you know, 80 world ranking if you have another year and you might not have for this summer. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see where they cut it off. Yeah. I'm, I'm just interested to see whether, whether I'll just be interested to see whether, and this is not just the United States thing, but whether somebody who is qualified for the Olympics in 2020, if the Olympics end up getting put off till 2022, or even if they are just put off till 2021, are they still going to be able to be qualified for the Olympics? Not just the Olympic trials, of course, but the Olympics. Um, and I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, if you were kind of czar of the world, so to speak, or czar of kind of the sporting <laughs> world, I, I mean, am. what do you think the best system would be in place? Like for if you were in charge of us, we'll also say even USA track and field, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and if the goal is to a get, make, give the three slots to the most or the six slots, male and female to the most deserving individuals and balance that out with have the United States, you know, make the best showing that they can. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think a, a good solution would be if you were in charge? And and see, you have to manage, and, and see the the other thing you would have to manage as as czar of the world is you would have to manage the optics of the situation, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Is, 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 you you have to consider the PR of what's kind of going on with the whole thing. And so so, if you're if you're worried about like how it's going to look, um, that that's an important consideration of anybody who's in that situation. Um, um. So yeah, I, I would say just leave the team as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was truly czar of the world, that's a different question. If I was czar of the world, I wouldn't be so hung up on the idea of having only 80 people in the Olympic marathon. I would say that every country that, that has an Olympic team can send three people and have them run the marathon. And that's the end of it. And if that means we have a 500 person Olympic marathon, then we have a 500 person Olympic marathon. Um, but that's, that's another conversation that we've had like a year ago when they first announced these things. Um, all right. Other aspect we want to talk about when it comes to the Olympics is what this means for all the other things this fall. So when we talked last week, uh, when, when Michelle and I talked last week about how Boston was postponed to the fall, we talked about how that means that five world marathon majors are going to be taking place over a course of about six weeks in September, October, and November. We talked about how the Olympic Games were supposed to be only about a month before that. Now the Olympic Games are kind of out of that mix. Um, what does this mean kind of for everything else? And further, and this is actually where Patrick will be able to come in a little bit more. Um, what is this also going to mean for all the other world championship events that are supposed to take place in 2021? In 2021, the world championships of track and field were supposed to be in the United States in Eugene, Oregon. Um, Oregon has built a brand new stadium to host this massive worldwide event in 2021. And now it's going to, is it going to take place? Is it not going to take place? They can't just move to 2022 because the venue for 2022 has always been already been awarded as well. Or can they? I don't know. Um, and so, so, de- so, so two questions here. One, I think Michelle's going to be better at answering. The other one, Patrick's going to be better at answering. Um, the first one is, is what's it going to do? What, how's it going to change all the races this fall? That the fact that the Olympic marathon is off the calendar. Um, and the other thing is, is how is it going to, to change all the other worldwide sporting championships that would normally be taking place in the spring, summer, and fall of 2021? All right. Michelle, you want to go first? Yeah, so I think for the um, elite professionals who have committed to Boston and London, um, I don't think they can actually get out of their contracts. So I think that they are still going to run 
Boston and London just in September instead of in April. The other interesting thing will be if people are going to double. Um, since you do have, I believe, New York and what, Berlin, maybe five weeks apart. Is yeah. that the order? Does Boston come? Does Boston come before Berlin? Boston's two weeks two before weeks Berlin. Before. Okay, so then you would have five weeks between Boston and New York, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you could essentially double. It's essentially exactly what Des was going to do with the marathon trials mm -hmm. and then Boston. Mm -hmm. um, there's no other payday opportunities this year for these runners who count on their appearance fees and possible podium, you know, top 10 first American finishes in these world marathon majors. So I think that'll be an interesting decision that most of them have to make. If I were not already committed to one of the races that is going to be run in September, which really would just be Boston or London at this point, I would definitely go as far out as possible. Um, as someone who's planning to run Boston in September, I'm not even convinced that the whole coronavirus thing is going to be okay by September. So mm -hmm. I guess I guess you factor, do you want to go with the theory that when the weather gets warm, this is going to die down a little bit, get your marathon over in September? Um, I guess into November is already you're getting back into cooler temperatures. It could become a problem again. So if you were only going to run New York, is that putting your eggs in a basket too far out? I don't know. I think it's really going to be a tough decision. Um, but I think one thing that we will see, since everybody basically just ran a race or a trials and then was going to run an Olympic marathon in August, I think we're going to see a lot of really fast times. Because I think we're going to have this collective, everyone has nothing to train for right now. So people <laughs> are going to rest. I mean, people yeah. should rest. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens when all these elites come off an extended period of a unified rest time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So Elliot, Elliot Kipchoge, just to use our exemplar that we always tend to use yeah. because he's the greatest marathon in the world. Elliot Kipchoge's last marathon distance race was the sub two hour challenge in October. Right. And yeah, so, so by solid 10 months. So, so yeah, so it'll be, it'll be 11 months. So yeah. if he, if he, if he ends up running uh, almost 12 months, if he ends up running Berlin or London, which have you heard anything about whether, so are the, Michelle, do you know if the people who are committed to London are let out of those commitments or, or what? I mean, do we, do we know anything about that? My understanding was that if the race was not canceled and it was just postponed that those athletes that are committed to their appearance fees for London and Boston are still committed, even though the races are being scheduled for September instead of April. Okay, so um, so so the big showdown that we were expecting. Go ahead. That's what, so. Okay, so 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 the big showdown that we were expecting between Kenanisa Bekele and and Elliot Kipchoge can still happen in in it's just going to happen in October on October fourth rather than happening in in London in April, right? Um, so. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 honestly, you don't have the the Olympic marathon in there, kind of screwing it up. And so so by the time that race happens, it will have been almost a year, just shy of a year, since Kenanisa Bekele ran under two hours in Vienna, and it will be uh, just shy of or just over a year. What? Bekele did not run under two hours in Vienna. No, what am I saying? Did I say Bekele? I meant Kipchoge. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, you just like to give michelle the pleasure i do michelle i totally did a mistake i'm just on purpose i'm just testing you i'm just testing you but no it, it's so, so so <laughs> it'll be it'll be just under a year since kipchoge ran uh ran under two hours in vienna um and it'll be just over a year since Bekele ran 201 41 in in berlin so both of them will have a year of of rest, which is good, but of not necessarily training at the highest level, which perhaps is not so good, particularly for Bekelet. But I guess we'll see. I think it's interesting what you say about the uh, the the fact that you know we might end up seeing some super fast times, given the fact that everybody is going to be running a, a fall marathon now. So so yeah, we'll see. I'll be interested to see too how it affects not just like the World Marathon majors, but also like the Twin Cities Marathon and the Marine Corps Marathon, and kind of like that second tier of marathons. You know, are yeah. those times going to end up being faster too? I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Yeah, you also have a lot of like fast age groupers who mm -hmm. maybe were supposed to run in the spring, mm -hmm. um, like a Boston or some something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they say, you know what, I, I couldn't run my spring marathon, so I want to make sure I get one in in the fall. Yeah. So it'll be a pretty interesting trickle down effect to see what happens. For sure. For sure. Um, and so then the other thing is what's going to happen with all the uh, the sporting world championships next summer. Patrick, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, so that's going to be the interesting piece um, on several levels. One, I mean, NBC broadcast, you know, the Olympics, you know, and I believe they also um, own the rights like the world championship. So, mm. I mean, they're going to have to figure out how they want to schedule everything, how they want to, um, you know, they certainly don't want to have the world championships, but too close up against the Olympics, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but to me, the other part that's interesting is just like you mentioned in, in Eugene, Oregon, if they were to try to push up the world championship date, then there are questions about are the facilities going to be fully re- ready and capable mm-hmm. if they were to push up the 2021 world championships. You mean to, like, like make it easier or earlier or, or like, correct. No, I actually think this works in Eugene's favor. I actually think that there was going to be a problem with the new Hayward field being ready. And if they're going to push off worlds from 21 to 22, if the Olympics are going to be in 21, I think Eugene just like got itself a mayday. (laughs) So I think that was my point is if they were going to move up, if they, if they decide, okay, we don't want to have the 2021 world championships, you know, over the summer, Let's still have them, but then push them up to January or, or, or February. Or, or put them this fall. <laughs> <laughs> we're thinking outside inside the box, Michelle. What if they said we're going to have the 2021 World Championships of Track and Field in the fall of 2020? They're not going to do that. You're in the clouds. No, but they can't have this in the fall of 2020 because that's the same thing as putting the elites through the training. Dream all, big, Michelle. <laughs> Dream big. Dream big. But anyway, so so it could it could definitely work in, in Hayward Field's favor. But that we're, we're we're simply assuming and saying this though that 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 World Athletics is just going to say, oh well, 2021. Now you're going to host it in 2022. 2022. Oh, now you're going to host it in 2023. They're just going to shove everybody back a year. I don't know that they're going to do that. They might do that. It would you make know, sense. But skating, I mean, it's a winter sport. But I'm pretty sure figure skating typically goes from a winter Olympic cycle straight into worlds about four weeks later. So mm-hmm. I guess there's always the potential that, you know, there could be an Olympic outdoor track and field, um, obviously outdoor cause it's summer in August. And then you could technically still do worlds for 2021. In um, September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd have to, I wonder if it would be a second tier, you know, for cycling does that world team. Um, then you, when you get into 2022, you get into world indoors. So mm-hmm. you'd have to, you'd have to just kind of juggle the next four year cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I did see an article where almost every summer world championship, summer Olympics world championship could be moved and everything could be back to normal by the next quad, except for uh, the world cups for soccer. Okay. Um, that was like the one problem. Yeah. For what it's worth. Cycling has has a world championship road race every single year, and then every four years they have a world championship road race and an Olympic road race, um, and they've been having the world championships for a hundred years, literally. Uh, and it was only added to the to the Olympic program like four or five Olympiads ago. Um, and so the world championship, for some people at least, the world championship in cycling is considered to be a bigger honor than the Olympic gold medal in cycling. Um, cycling is a little bit different because you can kind of bounce back and do races, you know, in fairly short succession. I mean, after all, Grand Tours, they race every single day for three weeks in a row, right? Um, and so, so it's, it's not quite a – definitely not an apples-to-apples comparison to track and field or other endurance sports. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, we'll see. Lots of moving parts. We're just kind of defining out about this, so, so we'll have to kind of see. All right, so and just just to confirm, the men's World Cup next World Cup is scheduled to be in Qatar for 2022 summer. All right, 2022. 2022. All right, good to know. And then so the the next Women's World Cup will be in 2023. All right, got it. Since it was just now in 2019. All right, good. So it doesn't bump up against that at least. Good to know. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right, let's talk about one other thing real quick here. Um, I uh, I told Patrick and Michelle that that I didn't want to have like this real downer about coronavirus because I think that, that we're all awash in downer stuff about coronavirus. But I was interested in spending a little bit of time talking about um, uh, how folks are spending their time and what it is that they're able to do in order to stay fit while still staying safe uh, during all the uh, sheltering in place and quarantining and, and uh, state and national lockdowns that are taking place in and around the world. Um, and so I think that when we were talking about it, we, we realized there, there's sort of two categories of things that are going on. One are the freebies that are out there, um, like different companies and different 
places that are giving lots of freebies. And those of us who uh, are having to take primary responsibility for, for schooling our kids now in the United States are certainly familiar with these because there's a lot of different things like brain pop and, and stuff like that that, that are offering uh, freebies right now. Um, and then the other one is kind of challenges. We're seeing a lot of challenges. So you want to talk about freebies first? Sure. All right, cool. So um, one that I know a lot of people have been taking advantage of, Peloton, the company uh, that has uh, gotten become so profoundly popular over the course of the past short while here, is offering a free 90-day trial of their digital app, which that's actually not a small amount of time. Three months, that's one of the longer ones I found, which is one of the reasons why I put it. Um, normally, it's about $12 a month. You don't have to have a bike, one of their bikes, in order to use their digital app. Um, but it has the entire Peloton platform on there. It has cycling stuff. It has treadmill workouts. It has uh, lightweight workouts, body weight workouts. It has yoga workouts, free 90 day trials on Peloton going on right now. It's literally the exact same classes that you would get if you had a bike. Um, uh, you can actually get those through Peloton right now. So pretty good deal, right? Great deal. Patrick, have you signed up? I have not. I need to purchase a bike first. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. That's what I'm saying. They have they have treadmill stuff. They have body weight workouts. They have yoga stuff. All that sort of thing. So I actually, um, I, I think I'm probably going to sign up, honestly, mm -hmm. just because really? this is like, oh yeah, because this is like an opportunity to check it out, right? I mean, you know, I've I've been to an Orange Theory class before. I've I've done a Peloton workout one time with an athlete that I coached, just because I wanted to see what it was like, right? Um, and so this is a good opportunity to be like, hey, three months free? Sure, I'll try it. Yeah. Um, so I'll check that out. Um, another one that's worth mentioning uh, is one we've talked about here before, the Sufferfest. Um, the Sufferfest is owned by Wahoo. And of course, we've had Stacey Perlis from Wahoo on here talking a couple of times about this. Um, but they have a bunch of strength and yoga workouts and that sort of thing. They've taken some of their beginner body weight workouts uh, and they put them on YouTube. Um, and in fact, you can find a lot of stuff on YouTube right now. Um, there's a, a lot of beginning yoga practice, a lot of uh, different things that people have put uh, for free on YouTube that, uh, that, that, you, that you normally wouldn't get. Um, the last freebie that I'll mention, that I know Michelle has one she wants to mention as well, um, is Ruvy. Um, that's R-O-U-V-Y. Um, have either one of y'all heard of Ruvy? I've never heard of that. So no. it's, it's pretty cool. And actually, I, and I, I, they have sort of a unique promotion, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, mention them. But Ruvi is, um, it's an online cycling platform that, that where you cycle outside or outdoor courses while you're inside and it broadcasts those. And so like as you're riding along, you're watching on a screen, the road on the screen, right? Um, and, and it's these kind of big, iconic, um, well-known courses. And right now, if you sign up for Ruby, they have a 30-day free trial going on. But if you ride for one of their, or if you ride one of their, their featured rides, it's in Italy. And so you ride like a course in Italy. They donate one euro to an Italian fund uh, that is supposed to alleviate the suffering that Italy is currently undergoing as a result of COVID-19. Um, and so if you, you know, give a 30-day free trial and over the course of those 30 days, you ride 30 different courses from around Italy, that means that Ruby will donate 30 euros to this Italian charity relief fund, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, even if you don't want to ride a, an Italian one, they got thousands and thousands of videos recorded from all over the globe. So it's not just Italian stuff. They have different North American rides and, and Spanish rides and Australian rides and, and all sorts of things like that. So it's pretty cool as well, but I definitely wanted to give them a shout out about that. Um, Michelle, what's the freebie that you, you were mentioning? I'm not sure if it's 100% free, but I know that uh, I regularly participate in Orange Theory, go once a week, um, love to go twice a week, but doesn't usually end up on my schedule, but more than <laughs> once a week. And they have, um, we're one of maybe the first gyms to suspend membership, shut everything down. And they have a daily app now. Mm. Um, sorry, a daily workout on their app, which, mm -hmm. you know, mirrors as much as I guess possible as if you were actually in a studio, which obviously can't get it exactly, but, um, they tell you, you know, lower body, upper body core. So that's a pretty nice feature. Um, I think a lot of, you know, boutique fitness type places, whatever you want to call them, workout studios, uh, are doing stuff like that, but yeah. it's definitely nice to just kind of stay in the system, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's out there also. Absolutely. What, so did, did they have, was their app out prior to the quarantine and all that sort of thing? Yeah. And I guess the reason why I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent freebie is because do I get the notification pushed to me because I'm a member because I pay every month and I'm already, you know, on the app or can anybody just sign up and get the workouts right now? Mm -hmm. So, but uh, if you're interested, it's worth looking into. 
And you and I, I've been to Orange Theory before, and they they they're good workouts. And I know you like their workouts too. Have you done any of the workouts on the app yet? Okay, <laughs> I have not done any of the workouts. On the <laughs> I'm not calling you out. I just wanted to know how they compared one to one. Yeah, um, maybe I can give some feedback the next time we podcast. All right, so cool, cool. It's not that I don't have strength on my schedule it's just that i didn't follow my schedule last week <laughs> that's okay that's okay people's lives are disrupted right now and it's all right so uh, none any, more yeah mine is incredibly disrupted yeah no for sure everybody's is and and any good coach i think recognizes that and is and is, is uh, uh giving giving their athletes a lot of space and grace um um i i've seen like a lot of different like a lot of local gyms you mentioned that um, there's a, there's a, a, a gym here in a yoga studio here in Atlanta called Highland yoga. That's been broadcasting a lot of stuff. Um, the CrossFit gym that I go to from time to time called CrossFit Kennesaw, which is near my house. They've been doing a lot of things on zoom. As a matter of fact, the same platform we're using to record this podcast, um, which is, you know, super cool. My CrossFit gym even opened up this past weekend and they didn't open up the gym of course, but, but the owner of the gym was there. And he said, if you want to come by and borrow one or two pieces of equipment so you can do a home workout with us on Zoom uh, during the time of quarantine, you can come and borrow a piece of equipment, which I thought was a really cool thing for them to do. Um, they were sanitizing it all and all that sort of thing. Um, and I didn't get the opportunity to go, go by because my life is disrupted too. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, I thought that was a very cool thing for them to be doing. Uh, and maybe they'll be offered it again sometime over the course of the next week or so so that I can stop by and get myself a slam ball and a box for box jumping. Um, yeah, and one other thing about Orange Theory too, they're actually posting workouts on Instagram for people. Right. Um, I think they started that about a week or so ago where they just started posting daily Instagram videos that include like several like workout circuits and demonstrations. So I'm not sure if the app is free or not, but at the very least you can always go on Instagram and, right on. and see some ideas of workouts that can be done. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. And then the other thing we're seeing a lot of folks doing are different challenges. Um, and, and, um, Michelle, Patrick, are y'all in any challenges right now that people are doing? Yes, kind of. <laughs> Not really. So, so. Um, the one that I've most kind so, of engaged so pa 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 with. Patrick, oh. the way that you hedged makes me think that you were invited to be in a challenge and you accepted the challenge and then you failed at the challenge. Is, is that the case? You're very close. Uh, I, I did the challenge and then decided no need to post on social media about it. Okay, okay. Um, so it was the 10 push-ups, C10, do 10. Um, challenge for those of you who don't know um you know, this is kind of a new viral trend that's popped up recently and i mean folks from your friendly neighbors all the way to even some professional athletes have have engaged in this training mm -hmm. and it's it's called the c10 do 10 challenge and it aims to kind of help people stay fed while social distancing um and it's just as simple as it sounds you do 10 push-ups then you tag as many friends as you'd like and then you mm -hmm. challenge them to do the same mm -hmm. so See 10 push-ups, do 10 push-ups, and then you can tag somebody else. Um, if you get tagged over, I mean, can you get tagged more than once? Like 10 people can tag you and you end up doing 100 push-ups? I, I mean, I would assume so. 12 times to do this. You, you, you've been tagged? I've been tagged, yeah, but I haven't done it or posted it. I mean, 10 push-ups is like part of my core routine, so I'll do it on my own schedule. But yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only person out there that's been tagged. Michelle. <laughs> This is the fight against coronavirus. What's wrong with you? Well, I could give a plug to a great workout that you can just get images online, which I like to do once a week, which is the Wazelle Dirty Dozen. Mm. And there's a lot of push-ups in there, and it's way more than, you know, C10, do 10. But, yeah, it seems to be keeping people motivated. I think more than the actual push-ups, it's kind of the connection with other people that people yeah. are really honing in on right now. 100%. Um, so yeah. the connection yes, that you are tag. breaking by not actually doing the push-ups, but keep going. Every time I open Instagram, there's another tag. I'm like, you know, I'd have done 500 push-ups by now. I'm not going to do that. So. Um, All right. So the, re the reason why I ask if you can be tagged more than once is because I wanted to check on that before I actually said this, nobody has tagged me in the C10 do 10 challenge yet. That almost makes me want to get down and do 10 push-ups, post it and tag you. So, which I would promptly knock out in support of you and the fitness community and, and everything else, well, as opposed like to, as opposed to you who blows them off or Patrick, who evidently doesn't do it because I don't know, he can't do 10 push-ups. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Patrick, um, C10, do 10. Have you, have you seen 10 and done 10? 
Dainton, Dunton. I just haven't tagged anybody else or posted a video. Go. Okay, and that's that's actually fair. I I do think that that there is a communal aspect to it, but like a lot of the stuff I see people posting that say, you know, here answer this on or post the the fourth photo on your on your Facebook wall and that sort of thing. I think those are cool, but then they say, and now you got to post the same thing on your wall. And it's like I want to play the game. I just don't want to host the game. You know, I want to go to the party. I just don't want to be like you know. I just want to have it at my house. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us about the yoga challenge you're doing? I actually, yes. really, I actually really wanted to do that, but I'm even too intimidated to do yoga by myself in my house. Let me tell I you. I can back that up because I tried to do yoga yesterday. Like I literally oh, have my fine. TV set up, YouTube and everything. And by far the best part about that challenge was the face my dog gave me as I'm like trying to do all these stretches in the den. And he just looked at me like, you're nuts. And Okay. I, I couldn't believe I was being judged by a canine, but the, apparently while, while you were doing downward dog. Oh, ha ha. Yes. Yeah, um, well, but, well but played. The, the, or while you were doing perhaps puppy pose or some such thing, he's like, Oh, I could do that far better than you. Um, now you, the two of you need to understand that no matter how bad you are at yoga, you are light years better at it than I am. Um, light years literally so so i the last i i'm in the midst of a yoga challenge right now today is day eight and that reminds me i need to i'm actually the host of the yoga challenge i need to post on on the facebook page of the yoga challenge it's day eight check in everybody um but i haven't done my yoga yet today but i will i've done it seven days in a row and i have noticed a difference um which is great um my my tight hip but you now can touch your knees no i cannot touch my knees um but <laughs> no i can yeah barely um but but like my tight hip that i think had a lot to do with my tight hamstring uh during the la marathon i was literally like laying down uh, a couple of days ago at the end i was doing the savasana which is like you know just the two or three minutes of quietness at the end of the yoga session and and i was just laying there and suddenly like my hip went kagong kagong and suddenly it's just like loose again it's like it, 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 it had been so tight and so 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 hung up for like five for for weeks um and finally after five days of doing yoga it just kind of let go um so and i've been feeling a whole lot better since then hip flexors let go i just don't want to do the yoga so oh, i feel you on that no okay and so so back to the point i'm saying though about about being bad at yoga so so i i or, there's an app called the down dog app and I, I got this app the other day um, and it has, it's currently free through, I think, April 1st, right? And it's super highly customizable and I like it a whole lot. And so you get to choose, okay, is there a particular part of your body you want to focus on? Yes. And I, I choose hamstrings because I have super tight hamstrings. I put it on beginner one, not even beginner two, like beginner one, because I know how inflexible I am. And there was this one stretch that you're supposed to do where they said, sit in the middle of your map and spread your legs out wide. So I sit there and I spread my legs out as wide as they can possibly go, which is really not all that wide. And then it says, hinge at the hip and bend forward. Literally sitting like that, I was stretching and I could not move, right? Yeah. And they're telling me to bend yeah. forward and let gravity pull me down. <laughs> Wasn't happening. Like I was an obtuse angle. Like I was leaning back with my legs spread out. And I was still feeling the stretch in my hamstrings. And they're talking about like leaning forward and, and, and hinging at the hip and all this other sort of thing. It was kind of ridiculous. So bottom line, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, so day eight of the challenge is going through the end of March here. Um, by all means, folks, drop me a line if you want to join our yoga challenge, uh, our COVID-19 yoga challenge here. But um, a couple other challenges I'll mention too. Um, um, there's a couple of people we've talked to on the, the podcast before. Uh, Slayer X, of course, is one of the sponsors of the podcast. Uh, they have a promo that's going right now called uh, hashtag I sweat for Slayer X. That's the number four. Um, it's called a sweat selfie challenge because, you know, they're all about sweating and doing sweat tests and all that sort of thing. Um, they're doing daily, weekly, and grand prize winners um, over the course of the time that we're all quarantined here. But they're offering free race entries, products, $10 vouchers to buy Slayer X stuff, all that sort of thing. So basically all you have to do is, is post a selfie for your, of yourself after you've done a workout safely socially distanced of course um hashtag it i sweat for slayer x that's number four again um and then have like a picture or something that says slayer x in the picture like a t-shirt or like holding a bottle or maybe drinking it or something else like that um and like i said free rates entries products ten dollar vouchers so you can read more about that at slayerx.com. So, yeah. Um, and then another friend of the podcast, um, Kate Edwards, um, who uh, uh, the writer and physical therapist that we've talked to before reached out to me and mentioned that uh, they're actually doing a, a virtual race called uh, Run from the Virus. Um, but the virtual race can happen anytime over the course of the eight weeks. Um, it started just this past Sunday. Um, 
and uh, help build community, have some laughs, all that sort of thing. Um, uh, Kate herself is putting together some crazy prizes. Um, about 150 people have already signed up and done it. They have a Facebook group on the uh, Precision Performance Physical Therapy page um, at Precision Performance underscore ATL. Um, and people can join up and get all the details about their virtual race there. Yeah. So lots of other virtual races going on too. Final Surge, which is kind of like Training Peaks, has a virtual 5K going on. Lots of virtual uh, stuff on Strava as well. Y'all doing any of the virtual stuff? Not yet, mostly because <laughs> I'm still, still um, getting my training legs back underneath me, but probably will soon. Fair, fair. Um, uh, Sufferfest also has a bunch of like indoor training plans right now that are like special for quarantining. And I think I'm probably going to start one of those next week, which I think will be pretty cool. Um, Speaking of which, did you see the guy that ran a full marathon on his balcony, on his balcony? in France? In France? I did. How, how big was his balcony? Oh, it was like measured in feet. Okay. And so he's just running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth? Yeah. Yeah. Insane. That's like the guy in China who did the, the, the 50K inside of his bedroom, like running laps around his bed, back and forth around his bed. That sort of thing is fan freaking tastic. Um, all right, Michelle, you going to do any virtual stuff or, 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 or you're, you're still recovering from the shock of not going to do Boston, right? Uh, no, I'm fine. I'm happy that it's postponed and not canceled. I have a feeling that your coach well, is going to put a virtual race on your calendar. Oh, please don't do that. I have the feeling. <laughs> um, All right, honestly, folks. It's so hard for me to figure out. Uh, last week, I thought it might be a good idea to sleep, to get more sleep, and then do my kids during the day and run kind of during or after dinner. Mm -hmm. And I realized after a few days that it was a huge mistake, that the best thing I can do is maybe sleep a little bit later, but kind of just keep as much of my same running schedule as possible and get mm -hmm. it over with before yeah. they wake up. Yeah. So... I could I think, do the virtual stuff, but someone's going to have to be really clear on how I sign up for that because <laughs> I don't really take the time to open the apps or record the stats or join these types of things, but I'm, <laughs> I'm open to it if someone helps me out. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And I totally hear what you're saying too about the way that routines were, were, were disruptive. Everybody had their routines disrupted. And, and certainly if, if the rest of the routines of your life are disrupted, your, your, your training and fitness routine is going to be disruptive as well. To say nothing of, of course, all the, the, the fact that everybody's goals were kind of wiped off the calendar over the course of the past week or so, or at least short-term goals, medium-term goals. Um, all right, y'all. This for me, I got to say, you know, we talk about kind of getting together and, and, and folks having community and that sort of thing, actually getting together with all of you and, and the two of you and, and editing a podcast and putting that out for everybody. That's actually very cathartic for me. And so, so Patrick, I appreciate your coming together with us here, Michelle, I appreciate your connecting with us from, from your house where you are safely socially distancing as well. Um, all of you who are listening, we appreciate you as well. And we hope you stay safe. Patrick, last words. Same. I've missed all of our group runs. That's That's been one of the yeah. hardest parts about um, uh, these quarantines the last few weeks or so is just not being able to see people outside of the house that, that you're used to seeing and checking in with and hearing about their daily life and just kind of talking about um, your day and your week. Yep. Yep. And our, and our, our training, our training grounds are closing down too. Kennesaw mountain announced today that they're closing the trails as a matter of fact, which is sad, but necessary. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, something I don't like, but something that I 100% support. Um, Michelle, last words. Yeah, I would say the seeing that the national parks and the trails are going to close down was pretty hit me pretty hard, even though I didn't actually make it out there this past weekend. Um, I don't usually run workouts, you know, with the whole ITL group, but just kind of being out there Tuesday morning and knowing that there's other people coming, um, feels super lonely, <laughs> even though I'm pretty much a solo runner as it is. And I think, you know, when things get back to normal, we'll probably all have a, an appreciation of just passing somebody on a trail and saying hi and, you know, not feeling like we need to stop and run up the side. <laughs> Hold our breath. Them, so, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. But I think for the sure. best thing we can all do is keep going, keep exercising, keep our endurance up. Um, Endure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Be resilient. All right, everybody. We appreciate you joining us. Patrick, Michelle, thanks again. We'll talk more soon. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. Don't forget to reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Reach out to us on Twitter, at pleasantpodcast. We're on Instagram now, at mostpleasantexhaustion. 
And you can download us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify. Don't forget to reach out to our sponsors as well. ITL Coaching and Performance can be found at itlcoaching.com, at itlcoaching on Twitter, facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And SlayerX can be found at SlayerX.com, at Facebook.com slash here for SlayerX. That's the number four, here for SlayerX. On Twitter, at official SlayerX. And on Instagram, here for SlayerX. Don't forget to use the pleasant 2019 discount code for 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. We appreciate your listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.